every parent throughout the history of time has asked this question. Is this normal? In fact, we've said it more than once. This week on the podcast, we've got two parents that are asking that exact question about their little one. First, we'll talk to a mom in Illinois that is worried about her 13-week-old that isn't cooing and talking yet. Then we've got a mother of a 15-month-old that is refusing to be read to at night. (laughs) Are these things normal? We'll break it all down for you today. I'm Jennifer. And I'm Laura. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast. We are so glad you're here. Whoever said babies and toddlers don't come with an instruction manual never met the moms on call. For nearly 20 years, Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter have helped over half a million families navigate parenthood with their best-selling books, online courses, apps, and network of certified consultants. And now they have this podcast to talk directly with you. Ask your questions at 888-234-7979. Welcome to the Moms on Call podcast with Jennifer Walker and Laura Hunter. Hi, Jennifer and Laura. First off, I want to say thank you for everything you do. Your books were a lifesaver with my first kid. My name is Ashley and I'm from Illinois. Uh, My question is about my 13-week-old son. He isn't cooing. In fact, he doesn't make any noises besides crying. I talk and sing to him all the time, and I know he can hear me because I get the occasional smile here and there. What's adding to the stress is that I keep comparing him to my first baby. I have two under two. In fact, they're one week off being exactly a year apart. Um, At this stage last year, my first baby was cooing and chuckling. Should I be concerned? Is there anything else I can try? Any advice on how to stop comparing? I know they're different babies, but I can't stop, and it's affecting my mental health at this point. When should I call the doctor? Thanks. Well, we love this question because we all do that. When you have more than one kid or your sister's got a kid and you got a kid, that comparison uh, happens all the time. And sometimes it's beneficial. Most of the time it is not because there isn't exact moments that these kids do these things. And, you know, yes, we do want to make sure that that the hearing is okay. Because a lot of times those smiles are coming because they see your face. They're looking and, and watching what your face is doing and those smiles can come. I would definitely say by four months of age, when you go in in the next couple of weeks for that four-month checkup, we want to see a little more communication happening. In the meantime, my personal favorite is when they're on the changing table and getting super close, probably around 12 inches away from their face and making those exaggerated sounds and showing them how to go, oh, and your your eyes are big and your lips are really, really puffy so that they can see those, but also that they can hear that sound. To me, that was one of the best ways that I could get a little bit of that interaction and sit there for a little bit. Give them an opportunity to start trying to repeat the sounds that you're making. You'll watch their little lips trying to do it. And there may not be any sound come out, but you'll see those little lips trying to make that sound. So start to kind of really focus on that a few times a day as well. You know, uh, the comparison, you have like one 
one version of what you think is normal. Like, the, what else am I going to compare it to? And as pediatric nurses and pediatricians, and certainly here at Moms on Call, oh, it's been tens of thousands of families. And that is so valuable. And we love it. We love that you lean into us and all the things that we've seen. We want to provide you a snapshot into households a- across the globe that, you know, we have the advantage of seeing this huge, broad spectrum of what can be normal. And one of the things I thought of as as I was listening to you is, you know, that second child, that third child, certainly the fourth, they don't talk because there's so many people there to get them what they want. So usually that last kid that mom is always asking like, oh, I don't know about that language because they don't have to use it. If they go in the kitchen, look at the cabinet with the sippy cups and go, eh, eh. One of the three siblings or the adult will just get it because there's too much to do. Like, we're not going to use your words. And, um, you know, words, that is a, is a very broad phrase. So I love the things that, that Laura was talking about that we can do in the meantime um, where we want to be expressive. And these are the things we bring up with our pediatrician at our regularly scheduled visits because they can actually do a hearing test um, on very young babies. And, you know, that may encourage them to do that. Um, they'll do the evaluation, but oftentimes, uh, you know, the most often thing that happens is um, that we have that evaluation and it's normal. And it is never a bad idea to bring these things up to your pediatrician, it is never a bad idea to say the things that um, you feel as a mom you would like to have evaluated so you can stop the voices in your own head that, you know, just torture you at night. Like, is it too late? Is this not happening? Is this okay? Is this different? You know, we, we all are. And, and what I like to do is say, you know what, I have a plan. I'm going to address this appropriately at the doctor's office and we'll make a determination. And then I can kind of let that go a little bit. Because the very next day, that baby will wake up and be talking in like paragraphs. (laughs) (laughs) The second you bring it up. (laughs) They'll they'll start talking in the doctor's office while you're going, well, you know, I just... And the baby will be like having a full-blown conversation with the pediatrician. And you're like, well, I promise that wasn't happening yesterday. (laughs) And the relief comes in one way or another. But let's talk about that comparison thing. Because that's just such a great question. Because we do with everybody else and the other... Because we're just looking... To develop, like, you know, what is normal? What's normal? And I think, you know, it is such a wide right-hand line and left-hand line. One kid will ride a bike without training wheels at three years old, and another one will take till six. And guess what? Both of those things are perfectly normal and okay. And so just trying to really take control of those thoughts, I think, is is part of that. And just recognizing there is a vast, it's not so black and white. Mm, I think about the poops. You know, oh, we talk gosh. about the frequency of poops so often. And those poops are normal as frequently as every feeding to as infrequently as once a week. And, and people are like, what? Yeah, that's yeah, But normal. my first kid went like eight times a day. And now is something wrong with this one? It, so these, these things are... Are really normal and, uh, and recognizing things, that, recognizing yes. that. Some of the things that we want to want to give you 
to be able to help you with this. When we were making the, the, the toddler by design resources with the five primary motivators and the combinations therein of what motivates different kids, we really realized, Laura, you remember this. We really realized like what we want to do is we want to battle the homogenization of toddlerhood. We know that these kids are so different. They're motivated by different things in a family. You're given a different type of kid and they, they, they've, (laughs) they work together to bring out the best and the worst in each other. And they have to be different to do it. The best and the worst. Let's just let's just get that out there. (laughs) Our kids work together to bring out the best and the worst in each other and in us. Yeah, and so it gets out, and hopefully the worst stays out. (laughs) But you know that that we it helps us to create this well-rounded person. It helps us to be able to navigate that we're different and that's beautiful. And so I think the two things that I would say is number one, recognize that when you have a concern, you bring it up with the pediatrician, let them help you navigate whether or not that's normal. Beautiful. And you have a way to do it so it doesn't have to torture you all the time. Like I have a process for that. I know where this is going to go. Put that in my little medical journal, bring it up. Secondly, is allowing and celebrating the differences in your kids. And it's harder when they're younger because you're counting stuff. Like, you know, we don't have a whole lot of interaction at that age. So it's like, oh, did they have this many poops? Did they eat this much? Did they, you know, it tends to be this numbers game. And then it evolves into a, did they talk back this much? (laughs) Did they learn to body train when they were 18 months? And, um, And we're not necessarily comparing them to their sibling. We're going to celebrate their own journey and when they navigate these different things. So have a place that, you know, you can even write those things down and intend to celebrate them. So the other thing I would do is I would say, when that baby coos, we're going to write that down and we're going to celebrate it. Why? Because at one point it was a bit of an anxiety for me, but it turned into a celebration. Hi, mom is on call. This is Evelyn from Colorado. I have one of those, is this normal questions? My daughter is 15 months old. She has a lot of books that range from different levels of reading. And I've been trying to get her to engage in reading her baby books with me. I try especially hard with animal books so we can practice the names of animals and the sounds they make. Uh, Same with letter books. Unfortunately, she will not follow along with me and even grows frustrated with me for trying to read to her. However, she loves to play with her books. She loves holding them, flipping the pages, and loves to pretend to read, even if she's just holding it upside down. But when it comes to me and her dad reading to her, it's the end of the world. The waterworks, pages torn out, books flying across the room, full-blown tantrums. Is this normal for toddlers? I know kids are not one-size-fits-all, but I see so many babies and toddlers that actually enjoy being read to, and I feel like she is missing out. Appreciate your insight. Thanks. Well, the first thing is... Yes, this is perfectly normal. And the second thing is, she is not missing out. 
No, she's not missing out on anything. She's experiencing that book just how she wants to. I remember with my twins thinking, oh, please, please just let me get through one book without them trying to eat it or throw it at each other. <laughs> I mean, I think we've all been there at certain points, you know, and some kids, yes, they'll just sit there and they'll just listen to you intently as you read a 500 page book. And it's just awesome. But one of your kids read, what did oh they Oh my read? gosh. They were like, that was eight. Patrick. Yes. Yeah. Patrick read Moby Dick. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It was pretty, and, and comprehended it, but that, that was Patrick. Yeah. Not Blake. No. His twin brother. <laughs> did not happen did not happen and I think you know so often that we we have this picture of what that sweet story time should look Mm. like and that's just not always realistic or your story or what they're looking for out of the experience like she's what 15 (laughs) months old now so this is the perfect time to go take that toddler by design quiz Mm. it will be eye-opening. So what do you think she is, Jennifer? I would say an engineer rule follower because she wants to do it her own way. She doesn't want somebody to do it for her. She doesn't want somebody to show her how it's done. She is going to experience it the way she wants to experience it. And they are notorious. The engineers are notorious for not wanting you to stop teach them. And they're frustrated. I know how to do this. Come on. Yeah, I'll figure it out. I'll figure it out. And, you know, sometimes their brains and their development and their (laughs) high-hand coordination doesn't let them do the things that their mind really wants to do, and they get frustrated with that. And then they get frustrated when we try to show them. Um, But it's all a part of how they interact with the world around them that gives them such intense joy and satisfaction. So what we would say is, she's got joy and satisfaction. She's not missing out on a thing. And also, you will eventually be able to read. It's just going to be later, later than maybe your neighbor's kid, later than you wanted. And she will get to that point where that curiosity helps her to follow a story a little bit better. And she may always want to fill in her own endings or make her own words for some things that you're labeling. And we're going to celebrate that imaginative creativity in ways that, you know, she looks at things um, in a different way than other people might and enjoys it in a different way. So we'll celebrate that. You're not doing anything wrong. There's no magic trick to it. We're going to wait for that beautiful time that you imagined in your head that you would be able to read endlessly and enjoy, especially if you're a reader, because I am. I love books. And be an example of that, right? Mm. Let her have her books. Let her sit. She doesn't have to sit on your lap and sit Mm -hmm. still while you read the book. You sit in the chair. Read the book. Mm -hmm. Let her do her thing. Mm -hmm. You read. You can read out loud. You can flip the pages. You can let her do her thing. You may find that she comes and pays a little more attention than you think. Thank you for listening to the Moms on Call podcast. If you have a question for Jennifer and Laura, call 888-234-7979. Visit MomsOnCall.com for resources to help you parent with confidence and thrive, not just survive your amazing parenting journey.